And welcome to Crown Conversations, a Jewels from the Crown Los Angeles Kings fan hockey blog podcast, something or another. Today with me, I have, as always, the highly esteemed, effervescent Sarah A. Welcome, Sarah. Yo. 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 So on today's agenda, we are going to talk about our top five prospects. Um, anybody else from the rookie games who stood out, because this is the prospect prospective, and then, nope, sorry, this is the prospect prospectus. Prospective is the wrong word. I, I don't even know what these words mean. I have an obsession with alliteration, you guys, and I, I apologize. Um, anyway. So we are going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, prospects and uh, camp kickoff, as well as some juicy, juicy quotes from our very favorite defensemen. But first, some news. Adrian Kempe and Jack Campbell both signed extensions with the LA Kings. Uh, well, obviously, they're with the LA Kings. Wow. Um, my heat has gotten to my brain today, you guys. It's, it's been hot as hell. And Anyway, so Jack Campbell and Adrian Kempe both signed extensions. Um, Campbell signed a two-year, $3.3 million extension. And Kempe signed a three-year, two million AAV extension. So, so a three-year, six million dollar contract. The weird part for me, Sarah, with Kempe, is that it took so long to get this done, and then it was like, really, that's it. Yeah, I would love to have been a fly on the wall for what made this one take so long because he came in at about the term that everyone was sort of expecting. Um, everyone was expecting it to be kind of a bridge deal because no one really knows what he's totally capable of and no one knows what the Kings are going to look like in three years. And it came in a little under on salary. I think a lot of the projections had him closer to like 2.2, 2.5, something around there. Um, so getting him in at 2 million was nice, especially if he can actually, elevate his game um, a little better. Uh, 
But yeah, I have no idea why it took so long. Like what, what who was like lowballing who? Like did Kempe come in and be like, I want Mitch Marner money. And then they laughed at him. <laughs> like no idea. Um, I'm glad it got done. I'm glad it got done before camp. Like, but yeah, it, really odd for a deal that seemed to be pretty much exactly what everyone thought it was going to be. Right. And I mean, we did sign his brother and, and we have Brunstrom. So we have sweets for you, Adrian. We, we just don't know why it took so long for this deal to get done. And uh, so what do you think of uh, Jack Campbell's extension? Two years, 3.3 million, as I said. So that puts his AAV around 1.65 million. It was a surprise. Um... I definitely like whenever they announced it, um, I did kind of the like, the, the, you know, when like a, a dog hears a noise that like it doesn't understand and it sort of tilts its head and looks at you like you've lost your mind. That's kind of the, the what I did when I when I heard when I saw this. Um, I think it's a good move. Um, he comes very cheap. Um, if it it muddies the waters a little bit of, you know, no, you know, we thought we had the clear pathway of, you know, Campbell gets traded at the end of the season to a contender and uh, Peterson comes up at the end of the year and then for next year. Um, and, but now that he's been given a little bit of a contract extension, um, it puts into question kind of what the Kings are planning on doing with him. Um, but it's such a low cap hit that, he still will be very easy to move, especially to someone who wants to invest in like possibly their next starter or whatever. Um, I don't think it locks the Kings into keeping him forever if that's not what they want to do. Um, but if they do keep him and instead find some way to move Jonathan quick for good or bad, depending on how you feel about that potential, um, then you have your starter at a very low cap hit for two years. Um, so it was a little surprising, but he definitely like deserves it. Um, he's, you know, everyone knows he's a hard worker. Like he's, you know, one of the guys like, you know, he never quit last season, even when it was awful. Um, you know, everyone loves him, loves being around him. Um, so it's a nice reward for a guy who, you know, really struggled through to make it this far. Um, but yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what happens down the road. Um, especially if the Kings are bad this year. Um, what players they start jettisoning to other teams um, and if he ends up being one of them or if they go bigger. It was, it was pointed out to me on Twitter that this could also have a potential, uh, what's the word for, for the Seattle. Uh, oh, for the expansion draft thing. Yeah. For the expansion, expansion draft. Uh, repercussions. I guess that's the word that I was looking for, but that's a little bit harsh of a word, I guess. But yeah, I mean, this this could definitely mean something because I think you have to have like so many goalies to trick. I I don't know exactly how the expansion draft works. I didn't even know how it worked for Vegas. Everyone was just kind of like, I don't know, like. This is what they say, but who knows if they'll actually follow their own rules because the NHL is, you know, they're not known for their hypocrisy or anything at all. Nope. Mm-mm. Anyway, um, 
So, yeah, I mean, this could be really interesting for Jack Campbell and the expansion draft and and potentially keeping Peterson around for this expansion draft. I mean, I don't really think that Seattle would be interested in any of LA's goalies, but you do have a point that at such a low cap hit, he's pretty appealing. And he's got such a sunny personality that he'd be great in any locker room. Yeah, and so I, 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 did, a, I did a little Google. And for goaltenders, teams have to expose at least one goaltender who will be under contract in the season, you know, the season prior, after the draft, um, or who will be um, a restricted free agent at that time. So a team would still control their rights. So it could be a move of, wanting to have all three of these guys kind of locked up for right now. So they have the flexibility to make a decision later and then they're not scrambling, you know, if in the world where they move quick, but they didn't extend Campbell and then all they had left was Peterson, they'd have to like find some other goalie to expose in the draft. So um, it it complicates things because now there's so many more goalies (laughs) to have to deal with. Um, but yeah, the the main thing is that at least one goaltender who is under contract would have to be exposed at the time of the draft. Um, so who that will be, we'll find out. I bet I know who it will be, but, you know, Rob Blake may change his mind in the uh, in the years to come. Maybe it ends up being Peterson. Who knows? Weirder things have happened. Maybe they trade Peterson to Boston for like <laughs> a really high prospect, or, 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 or for like David friggin' Backus or something, and then Boston immediately gets them to like the Ducks, and then I walk into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> this is both laughing and crying. That, that noise that I'm making, yes, it is both laughing and crying because at the same time it was just that was <laughs> right. Anyway, <laughs> for those who don't know, <laughs> we all knew it was going to be a bad move. Like it takes Milan Lucic a while to get going, but then he's a runaway freight train. But then, at the same time, he's an out-of-control runaway freight train. And, oh, look, that doesn't work. And sadly, I think his season with the Kings, this is totally off topic for everything we had possibly put on our agenda, but I feel like his season with the Kings was, like, his last even, like, semi-decent season. And then he just, like, collapsed into a pile of dust. Um, So I feel like we at least got, like, one adequate season out of him. And then in like Dean Lombardi's smartest possible move, he didn't re-sign him. Rumor has, Rumor has it that, that he tried really hard to re-sign him. And then it just kind of came down to the wire. And Lucic was like, all right, I'm tired of you messing around with me through this. I'm out. I'm going to go test free agency. And then he tested free agency. And when Gretzky was like, yo, Go sign with the Oilers. And he was like, look, if Wayne Gretzky tells me something, I got to do it. I mean, yeah, you do. It's kind of a rule. 
I mean, is he like a mob boss now? Yes. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky, the mob boss. I would read an entire novel about that. I think you should write it now. I know what my project is for the next month or something. Uh, well, November is NaNoWriMo. That's what oh, I call yeah, that's it. Right. <laughs> there you go. National Novel Writing Month. I gave you a project yeah, for November. Look out, Wayne Gretzky mob boss fan fiction. I'm coming for you. <laughs> Why not? You're not busy enough, Sarah. No, not at all. I need sleep. Sleep is for the weak. All right, now that we've segued completely off our planned topics, shall we segue back? Yes. <laughs> All right, top five in order. We'll talk about these guys in, in individually in a minute. Um, but top five, number five was Austin Wagner. Number four was Jad Jarrett Anderson Dolan. At number three was Cal Peterson. Number two, Adrian Kempe. And spoiler alert, number one was Alex Tricot. Uh, we have spoken extensively about Alex Tricot. We will continue to speak extensively about Alex Tricot, our slightly undersized center boy from Wisconsin, or who is going to Wisconsin. I think he's from Illinois originally. Yep. Yes, yep. good old Illinois boy. Good old Midwestern boy. So, yeah, because we're all very excited about Tercot, and I think that's that's pretty obvious from looking at the uh, where everybody ranked him. He was ranked pretty high by most people. Um, very few people ranked him outside of the top ten. I feel like there's always... Um... It's always interesting to look at the results because the I would love to like sit down and actually interview everyone who responds to these things. And I don't have the time to do that because I do actually need to sleep and go to my day job at some point. Um, day job. But, you know, every so often, you know, there's someone who ranks him like, you know, number 25. And I'm like, I'm, I just am very curious um, as to your methodology for how you put him there. Um, and, you know, I know that some people prioritize players who have already pro experience or, you know, maybe they just really like big boys. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, no surprise at all. It was very fairly consistent um, where everyone thought that he should have been uh, ranked and rightfully so. Um, you know, he's not ready to make his NHL debut quite yet, but um, certainly is not particularly far away from from that milestone. I find it very interesting that the writers were almost 100% in agreement that he should be at least in the top two. Whereas, like, yeah. the fan rank was kind of all over the place, but predominantly number one. I mean, I, I know we can't talk to everybody, but it's, it's still just, like, a very curious thing. And... Not to jump around a little bit, but I noticed the same thing, or at least a similar thing, when I was um, writing about Jarrett Anderson Nolan. Because um, there were a lot of people who ranked him, like, really low on the list. And I'm, I was going, hmm. I mean, he, he made his debut last year, and 
he didn't suck. I know he didn't score any points, but God, I don't think really anybody was scoring any points at the time that he made his debut. And then he got sent back to juniors because the Kings were really being giant losers. And that was something that um, then head coach um, uh, John Stevens uh, basically kind of alluded to uh, to uh, to Curtis Zepke. I think maybe next year, um, and if if you're listening and you're into this idea, like leave us a comment on the website or shout at us at out at us on Twitter or something, and I'll keep it in mind for next year. Is that maybe we add in a question that's like, "I would like to talk to you more about my choices," and then we get a few random fans' perspectives on uh, why they chose things the way they did. You know, I, I can certainly talk to the writers all day long about why did you make your choices, but um getting the perspective of people who are new to us. Um, you guys out there are faithful readers slash listeners, I think would be kind of cool. So, uh, yeah, let if you, if you think that'd be a thing you'd want to participate in or would be an, you wouldn't want to participate in, but hope that other people would, um, leave us a comment. I'd like to see what y'all think. Well, we could do it also on the condition of anonymity. If you're like, super bashful or something and you're just yeah i'll I'll make up a a super rad like fake name for you like johnny blades says that he doesn't think that you know alex turcotte is tall enough like thanks johnny blades i was just gonna go with super rad user one two three yours is better (laughs) what can i say i try Unlike me. Now, there goes my <laughs> randomness again. <laughs> um, all right. Let's 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 talk about Cal Peterson. Actually, we'll get back to Peterson in a minute. Let's jump back to number five, Austin Wagner. Austin Wagner, big surprise, making a huge splash at number five on our uh, top 25. Now, I'm looking at his rankings literally all over the map. Nobody knew where to rank Austin Wagner. They're like, what What? What do I do with this Trevor Lewis 2.0 but redheaded and younger? Yeah, the, this, this one was like the biggest surprise for me possibly of where people wound up. And I mean, I will let everyone in on a little bit of the, the secret of the methodology is that the writers' votes do get weighted slightly heavier than the readers' votes, um, which is why some things are a little more tilted towards um, what the writers say. Um, and that is a function of many reasons, which we will not get into here. Um, but, you know, the writers, for the most part, had him, you know, there were several people who had him has had him as number three, um, basically top ten for the most part, um, of the writers' votes. And I think that really kind of swung him up. Um, the readers' votes were a little more spread out um, across you know, the top 18 is kind of where he got the most kind of cut off at. Um, so I, I think that was a really interesting... Usually, I, I feel like it, ha- it didn't really swing it that much, but the average um, reader positioning for him was seven. Um, but the writers' votes kind of swung him up a little further but yeah it's really curious because he's a player who you know 
has the speed. Um, he just, you know, he has the skating. He just doesn't necessarily have the finish yet. And yeah, I think his number five rating is a function of people hoping that he develops the hands and if not just being tantalized by having someone fast, which we uh, have not really had too much of. Uh, so I hope he can live up to it. I think that he probably is set to make the opening night roster. Um, but uh, yeah, really curious because he just is still working on, on that finish and hasn't quite put his whole game together yet, but he's still a kid sort of ish 22 is still young in sports i think <laughs> he's not a grizzled 25 year old unlike to foley well, i don't know how old foley is i think he's like 27 now but it's just like i remember when he hit 20 like 25 i was like all right you're not a kid anymore let's go like what <laughs> but you have like two seasons to be a kid i don't understand this and now it's crazy also, he's he like, still looks like a baby well, yes, that's true. But the the crazy part for me is that now he's supposed to be like a veteran later. <laughs> Just like cannot wrap my brain around this. And I also don't think he's on board with being a veteran leader. I feel like he's not quite there yet. I mean, okay, to be fair, he's had five seasons. So really five and a half because he came up a bunch during the lockout shortened season in 2013. That's when he made his initial NHL debut. So it's just like he's been around for kind of forever. a while. Forever. No, not forever. <laughs> okay, back to Wagner since we, we love to get off topic. on. We should call this the off topic podcast. God. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, Wagner, um, I like to call him Trevor Lewis 2.0. There was a quote that from one of his junior teammates that said that for like every three breakaways that he gets, he might score on one of them. I don't even know if three is the right number, but it was just like he gets so many breakaways and he might score on like one of them. Tries hard, loves the game. Trevor Lewis, 2.0. I, I love them both, okay? Please do not yell at me on Twitter or in the comments that, like, I'm I'm ragging on Trevor Lewis. Like, first of all, Trevor Lewis knows exactly, well, he, like, he doesn't care. He's getting paid millions of dollars. He's got an awesome wife and some incredible twins. Like, why the hell does he care about some random blogger's opinion of him? But I love Trevor Lewis. I, I do. Um, and I'm sure I will love Austin Wagner the more he is on the team. It's just, you know, they. this team has too many of the same type of player where they're semi-versatile. They just can't score. This team was 30th in scoring. They were second worst in scoring. They beat out the Ducks by four goals. Okay, you guys, like four goals. And I think that was like one game where they beat the Ducks. I don't know. I think it was three goals. And they beat the Ducks like four to one or something. That was the difference between the Kings and the Ducks being the worst teams uh, offensively last year. Such an adventure. It's that Southern California solidarity. <laughs> to be fair, the Ducks were all babies and then all their veterans and good players were hurt. We didn't have that excuse. We just sucked. 
I mean, look, I just, I just want to see the Kings score a few goals. Like, is, is it too much to ask? Yes. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> okay. Um, we talked a little bit about Jarrett Anderson Dolan. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think we covered him. He, we don't know exactly what's going to happen with him this year. He's going to be in Ontario because he's 20 now. So that means he doesn't have to go back to juniors. Um, will he see NHL time? I don't know. That is that is a giant question mark. Of course, it's going to be up to Todd McClellan and Rob Blake. And, you know, there's injury limitations and, and whatnot. But is it worth it? Or should they continue to look at some of their other prospects who maybe aren't as... I don't want to say good, but you know the the Wagners and the um, the the uh, Sean and, and I cannot think of his name. Um, Sean, some I think he's a defenseman though. Anyways, but yeah, I mean, Walker. Yeah. Yes, Walker. God, how are you in my brain? <laughs> uh yeah, Sean Walker and and Matt Luff. Like should they utilize uh call-ups more for those guys and just let uh, Anderson Dolan develop more his pro game under Mike Stuthers tutelage? I don't know. It's obviously not for me to say, but I'm very curious about uh what the the Kings are going to do with him this year. Yeah, I feel like he's probably on the short list of guys to get called up if some if there's an injury in, in the forwards. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of the projected lineups have, you know, ha- have been kind of using like Matt Luff as like the 13th forward kind of guy. So he may be with the Kings anyway. Um, but I, I could see Anderson Dolan being someone who they they call up even even just to give him a couple of games like you know, especially if they're not doing particularly well um, and just want to start getting more looks at guys. Um, I don't know that. He, I think that he will probably be one of the last people to be cut um, from training camp. But uh, I think it's better for him to be the most of the time in Ontario playing really big minutes, playing on the power play and everything. Um, but they'd be crazy not to call him up if they have a need for a player and they're actually going to play him and not just, sit him in the box while other people do things uh counterpoint the kings are losers accurate (laughs) that is not my quote that is curtis zipke's quote okay so like don't yell at me okay (laughs) moving on cal peterson uh mystery because of the campbell signing but i think this is I think this is his uh, last year that he is waiver exempt, right? According to everything the great people at Cap Friendly say, yes, that is correct. So, mystery intensifies. What are they going to do with Cal Peterson? Obviously, he's gone in and he's grabbed that number one spot in Ontario. Uh, I know he had a few inconsistencies in his game last year that... He was working out with uh, Dusty. Uh, again, shout out to Dusty over in China. 
This time I got the geography right. We miss you, Dusty. Uh, please come back to us soon. Anyway, so... Um, but he also came up and he started a couple of games for the Kings and he didn't suck. Yeah, I think he he's really intriguing. It'll be interesting to see if Ontario's any better this year. Um, he struggled a lot last year because Ontario was so bad. Um, and you know, it wasn't like he was having like a complete breakdown in fundamentals. It wasn't like his whole game fell apart. He just played behind a real bad team. Um, so of course his numbers just were probably the worst in the league. Um, which was a pretty sharp turn from a guy who his rookie year was, you know, named the all-star game and was one of the best goalies, um, but was also playing behind a much better Ontario rain team. Uh, so I, I think that it's the best thing for him to stay in Ontario this year and be the starter and be the guy who plays all of the games. And it's, you know, also the best thing that neither quick nor Campbell get hurt and end up missing huge chunks of the season um, because that would also kind of derail his uh, development if he has to come up just to sit on the bench. Um, but I think he has a lot of promise uh, and hopefully with a slightly better, more offensively minded, perhaps Ontario rain team, they won't stink so bad and he will not look like a really bad goalie because we know he isn't. Um, he just, Oh boy, it was a bad year for everyone. Well, it's it's an interesting thing, and this apparently happens with a lot of goaltenders. Um, not all of them, but it, it does happen quite frequently. Where you know, like they shine in juniors or in college, struggle a bit in the AHL, and then they come up to the NHL, and you're like, wait, how is this the same player who looked like crap? in the American Hockey League, but then you come up to the best league in the world and you are like uh, the Pittsburgh goalie who is the first rookie to win the Stanley Cup twice in a row. I mean, the real answer is that goalies are magic, but there's probably also other answers too. (laughs) Yes, goalies are magic. But, you know, I, I think it's worth, at least for the Kings... Um, keeping Peterson in Ontario this year to let him play um, and just wait for a quick injury. It's not inevitable. Please don't yell at me. But it kind of is. (laughs) When was the last time Jonathan Quick played a full healthy season? I think it was like 2015? No, I think he was... Heard at the beginning of 2015. I honestly, I, I don't so know. Sad. He's so <laughs> broken. Well, I mean, his style just basically breaks down his entire body. Oh, our poor broken goalie. Yeah. <laughs> just. So the, the rankings for, for Peterson, you know, they're really interesting because the majority ranked him really within the top five. Like, the vast, vast majority ranked him within the top nine. But the majority, like, the simple majority ranked him really in the top... ranked him in the top five. Most of the writers actually ranked him at number five. 
There's something to be said for consistency, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, and I, I, are... I, I, I did, I, I did a little Google, and um, Jonathan Quick actually has surprisingly played a lot of games lately, which is maybe why his body is falling apart. Uh, he had had 72 games in 2014-15, um, 68 the next season, um, and then the season after that is the one where he got hurt in like the very first game so he played 17 games um 2017 18 he played 64 which is i think i think he was hurt for a little bit that year but not like hugely hurt and then last year of course 46 games because he again got broken immediately at the beginning of the season notice a trend (laughs) he should not start the the season anymore there's one way to fix the problem. Be like, you don't get to play until like a weekend. Just chill. Just like we'll we'll ease you in. We we're not, you know, we got we got lots of time, Quickie. It's okay. You're still number one in our hearts, buddy. Like, we still love you. Don't worry about it. Like <laughs> we're we're just gonna let this guy get behind this awful team while they, they learn how to figure out and sh- uh, how to figure out how to play hockey again and shake off the rust. Like, it's cool. It's cool. Don't hurt yourself. Sitting on the bench. Opening <laughs> that door. Don't do it. When was the year, though, that, um, like, everybody was breaking their groin? I think that was the, like, Quick hurt himself, then Campbell hurt himself. Or no, sorry. Zadkoff hurt himself, then Campbell, and then it was Budai, and then it was um, Jonah Emu. <laughs> Yeah, I think that was sixteen seventeen, the game where he, the year where he only played seventeen games. The year of the um, strained brain. Yeah, because yeah, because he got hurt. Zatkoff was bad and hurt. Budai play ended up having to play like almost the whole season, and that was the year that they like traded for Ben Bishop for reasons, and then he went away. But yeah, that that was, that. With the- and then like yeah, yeah, and then there were like no goalies in the AHL because all of them were up in the NHL because everyone was broken, and yeah, we had to have Jonah and Dusty Emu play a game. Yeah, and then Jonah Emu, he also had a groin strain that in that game, and so like okay, so what happened was uh, Jonathan Quick was hurt, and then uh, Campbell was recalled. And then Zatkoff got hurt, and then Campbell played, and then he got hurt. And then I was like, okay, Campbell, I know you're trying to emulate your idol here, but, like, that's that's a little too much. And then, uh, because Campbell was in the NHL, wait, maybe Campbell didn't get hurt, I think. Anyway, uh, Budai, uh, he was playing, and then he hurt his groin, and then uh, Jonah Emu hurt his groin. So it was the year of the strained groin. Um, goalies, gird your loins, okay? Gird your groins. But um, bump. <laughs> just, just protect yourselves, goalies, okay? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Okay, number two, our favorite Swede. He is uh, 23 today. Happy birthday, our favorite Swedish child, Adrian Kempe, the, uh, the very, very extra child. I honestly kind of expected to see him a little lower in the rankings. Um, and and he, he was a little the, the average reader ranking was four. So, you know, not significantly lower. But I, I just feel like anytime you tweet or write about Adrian Kempe, you just get a bunch of very angry people being like, <laughs> he's bad and he shouldn't be a center and he you know isn't good at this and that and the other thing. And yet he still averaged out to be the number two writer on the list and you know for for the readers you know the average like i said was number four but the number two slot is the the slot that had the most people where the most people voted him in at um for the readers uh so this was actually really curious to me uh because i i expected him to be a little further down just because people are just always on him about not being good um I personally put him as as, as third, um, and I, even that I kind of wrestled with a little bit. But I was like, no, he like provides value. Um, yeah, the argument is he doesn't make the people around him better, but you know he's also still he's just twenty three now. Um, you know he still has a lot of things to learn, um, and as people have pointed out, he actually is much better on defense than you think he is um it's actually one of his stronger areas um and he just just needs to put it all together but yeah i mean he you know the, the team has you know give, given him this new contract kind of a little bit of a show us what you can do and you know whether what what line he's going to play on and who his line mates are going to be i think will you know dictate a lot about how we look at him in the future and what kind of player he is but um, yeah, I, I I think that if you're voting strictly on hair flips, he should be number one. But, you know, that wasn't really the criteria. So here we are. I was having a conversation about um, Kempe on Twitter. And it was pointed out to me, again, that surprisingly, yes, as you, you mentioned, that his defense is actually way better than people give him credit for. And as for making people around him better, I mean, okay, that's kind of a, like a a catch 22, I feel like, because it's like generally a player who makes other players better, unless you are magical and you're Patrice Bergeron. uh, But generally your own statistics will go your 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 like possession and and other things and your goal scoring and everything like that, those tend to go down just a little bit because you're more focused on your line mates and improving your line mates. Um, but to Kempe's credit, he he made Kovalchuk look good, and I I didn't know that was possible because God Kovalchuk was awful, like straight up just really freaking bad last year. If you look at his Instagram, though, he looks like he's going to be the guy who comes into camp in the best shape of his life. So, Dustin Brown we'll 2.0. Yeah, maybe we'll see a total turnaround or something. Who knows? Who knows what 
T-Mac can do with him. But uh, we'll see. Uh, there were some interesting quotes came coming out of camp uh, regarding Todd McClellan. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm really looking forward to to Kempe. He is only 23. He still has tons of room to grow. And um, actually, I really liked his line of Jafoli, Grunstrom, and and Kempe. I thought like that. It had shades of that 70s line where they had just enough defense to not make me want to pull my hair out. But when they are on offense and they're cycling and, and, you know, they're clicking, it's like, wow, you know, they, they actually are creating chaos, but like in the best possible way. Yeah, and not that one day of training camp means literally anything and anyone who's reading much into day one of training camp like may need other hobbies. But today, Kempe skated on a line with Kovalchuk and Toffoli. Um, he centered both of them. So, you know, so some of the lines in camp, and we'll probably talk about camp pretty shortly, but some some of them look familiar, like... I follow Kopitar Brown like they skated on a line together so if that is a preview of what we may get um, perhaps Kempe is going to continue making Kovalchuk look look better uh, next season this season really I have mixed feelings about that (laughs) Um, right, number one as we mentioned Alex Turcott overwhelming majority voted him as number one he's He's our shiny new boy. So we, we've talked about him extensively in the past. Um, and Sarah has many, many plans to stock him this season because she is our, our hockey nerd, our resident hockey nerd. And apparently she has no other hobbies besides hockey. And we love her dearly for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like road trips and, and road trips. So we'll see. <laughs> You know, like road trips in hockey. <laughs> Just combine all the great things. Yeah, why not? All right. Speaking of camp, so and, and some of the uh, interesting quotes that that came out today. Drew Doughty. Well, you couldn't expect anything less from Drew Doughty, other than total and complete uh, honesty. I think my favorite quote from Drew today. Drew, not holding back. Uh, this is these are quotes tweeted from uh, John Hoven, the mayor. Uh, he said the last four years have been, and then he went on to say things were really bad at the end of last season. The past is the past. I want to make this team great again, quote unquote. So, Drew Doughty, never holding back. Uh, yeah, you know. I think he's not wrong. Yeah, I was sitting at work today just watching, you know, doing my actual job, but also with an eye on on the Twitter um, and saw all those quotes starting to come in. And I was just like, "Ooh, ooh look at all those feelings from from Drew. Uh, he certainly yeah, is not one who's known for uh, mincing words or trying to put things politely. He just sort of says what's on his mind and um love him or hate him um you gotta respect that he at least is a good quote um and even if you don't agree with the quotes and just think he like sounds stupid it still gives you something to talk about and you know chew on uh so 
we will always have have that from Drew Doughty is his ability to just say whatever's on his mind, even if maybe he shouldn't be. Uh, but yeah, he definitely very honest today when they were asking him about, you know, about last year and his thoughts on, you know, he basically came out and said like, yeah, this team has been crap for years. Um, and I'm like, all right, Drew, tell him how you feel. Uh, so he certainly had some choice words and we'll see if he can back them up in a mature and professional way and not a like helmet throwing tantrum way. So we'll see which Drew we actually get this year. I like this quote. We still think we can compete and earn a playoff spot. Drew, like, have you, he just said that the team was utter crap and now you are like, but we can still get a playoff spot. (laughs) It seems like no one told him the plan. (laughs) What the plan like, to suck for two years? I know and... that like Rob Blake has been intentionally vague about what the plan is, but we all know that the plan is be bad for another year, probably get another really good draft pick, and then go from there. Um, no one has told Drew that, I guess. <laughs> Either that, he's an eternal optimist. That's putting it nicely. Well, I don't know if there's any other good way to (laughs) put it. So it looks like, as you mentioned earlier, uh, Brown has uh, Brown was skating on a line with Kopitar. And then according to John Hoven, based on early chats with McClellan, he's expected to start the season with his old pal again. But we shall see. Yeah. And I I, I like the fact that um, McClellan started camp today with a scrimmage. And I know that there have been some quotes, you know, from him or talking about him basically saying that he wants to see with his own eyes, you know, and and we all know it's just training camp and no one's giving 100 percent except for like the kids who want to make the team. But um, that he really wanted to not rely on what he'd been told from anyone about how players play or how they click together on the ice or whatever. Um, and he wanted to, before they even got into drills and teaching, he just wanted to see what they had. So um, I thought that was a really interesting way to approach it. And that um, hopefully he learned a handful of things that will be uh, helpful to him. Um, it seemed like from the tweets that I saw uh, about the scrimmage this morning, it seemed like a high scoring affair. Um, I know Kovalchuk, scored at least a couple of times uh, in in the scrimmage so not that that again means literally anything but um, it, it, he, he, he did a thing he showed up <laughs> he tried real hard so I expect it'll, it'll that be interesting to be to watch. The, I expect this to be the highlight of this year <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the most goals he's going to score all year the two in training camp <laughs> I'm the worst <laughs> Um, but McClellan <laughs> did have some interesting uh, quotes about the the rookies, uh, or not? In, well, okay, I shouldn't say that. But McClellan did talk about the rookies, and he's uh, he said he liked what he saw from Kovalchuk, but he also said that um, he liked, uh, or according to John Hoven, McClellan praised Lazat, Chad, 
and Anderson for their performances in Irvine, which is no surprise because they are among really the the top prospects in LA's pipeline. Lazat even got himself into one whole game last year. Yeah, way to burn that ELC. Uh, yeah, he he's definitely has stood out through all of these rookie games and through you know through even the beginning of camp um, as someone who really put in the work in the off season to you know be prepared to come in for the first day of camp. So you know he he I think he's another guy on the short list of you know probably is going to get sent to Ontario um, at at the end of the preseason. But if he you know, continues to impress the way he is now would be a pretty quick call up if they need um, other bodies who, again, will actually play and not just sit there. Um, but that, that was kind of surprising. I, I thought he was fine in his one game that he played, but, you know, that's like the smallest of small sample sizes and he's a small guy. So you never really know how well he's going to hold up or how well that he's going to fit in. But everyone seems to be really excited about him. So. Maybe he's the under-the-radar pick for the year uh, of players to look at. Is um, Mikey Anderson going back to the Bulldogs this year? He signed an ELC, so that negates his uh, eligibility, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah he's, yeah, he's going pro. He had three years of college, and now he is ours. Um, and he's definitely on my defenseman watch list of... Um, he's a guy that like has adapted very quickly and has succeeded at every level he's played at. Um, and if he looks as good in Ontario as everyone sort of seems to think he will could easily be someone who gets caught up um, or, you know, knowing that both Paula do and Derek Forbert are dealing with injuries that might um, Forbert, especially that might keep them out of play for the first couple games um, could maybe be someone who gets to stay on the team a little longer. Um, but yeah, he is done with college because the value of a four-year degree apparently means nothing to hockey players um, and is going pro. I mean, it only took Alec Martinez like 10 years to finish his last year of college. <laughs> he, that's my favorite story. He tried so hard and it's adorable. I love it. And then he surprised his parents by showing them his degree. I was like, oh my god, that is the sweetest thing ever. Some of them are good boys. I feel like Alec Martinez has always been a good boy. Like, I feel like he's (laughs) genuinely just like a very kind-hearted person. Some other people, namely uh, defensemen who wear a letter, um, maybe not so much. Not naming names. <laughs> no one ever tell me if Alec Martinez isn't a good boy. Like, just don't tell me. Like, I don't yes. want to know. I don't want to know. I, I'd like to live forever in my fantasy that he is forever a kind-hearted, kind-hearted person. Are there any other quotes that you want to talk about, Sarah? Anything else that you noticed from camp today? No, I feel like it was really just Drew Doughty having a lot of feelings. When doesn't Drew Doughty have a lot of feelings, maybe, though? Maybe when he's sleeping? Mm, hard to say. <laughs> well, all right. So let's let's look ahead to the future. Um, Ontario... 
probably is going to consist of Jad, Lazat, Anderson, Yakim Ryan, the other guy they signed on Free Agency Frenzy. <laughs> Martin Furk. Thank you. You're I, welcome. He's, as you can tell, he's very memorable. Um, so those guys are on my short list of, of ones who are probably going to be in Ontario. I don't think that they are going to make the cut. Wagner or Luff, I'm on the fence about. Yeah, I feel like the, the good thing with both of them is that they have the flexibility to go up and down on waivers. So it could be a lot of shuffling back and forth. I mm-hmm. feel like, if anything, Wagner has the inside track just because he played most consistently in the NHL last season and is the kind of guy who, like, you can put him on your line with Trevor Lewis and Cal Clifford and they might actually make something happen. And if not, they're just going to be really annoying to the opponent. Um, and I feel like he could kind of fulfill that role. Um, I feel like Luff is definitely a guy who's always kind of streaky and like all players are. So that's not anything special, but he's someone who I could see going back and forth a lot just to like, you know, keep him from sitting on the bench in, in Los Angeles and just send him down to Ontario for a couple of weeks, make him play a bunch of games, then bring him back up. Um, you know, should he be on the Kings? Probably, but you know, there's only so many roster spots uh, available to have bodies for. Well, and I feel like Amadio has to come up. Well, Amadio has to come out because he's literally out of roster. I mean, out of waiver options. And this yeah. is a team that has absolutely no center depth. So it would be really stupid for them to send him back. Uh, or to try and sneak him through waivers. So, I mean, that eliminates automatically one spot right there. So, how many spots really... I think there's probably three? Two two or three spots that are really up for grabs. I think Amadio has one of them. This is like the worst Hunger Games. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no comments. <laughs> um, real quickly before we uh, we wrap up, um, the babies in their uh, rookie games were they bad or what? They won one. They were Vegas blown did, out. Vegas didn't two. win any. Vegas didn't win any games. So, so there. <laughs> <laughs> So there, Vegas, we finally beat you at something. <laughs> but, I mean, I will say in, in their defense that, you know, the, the first game that they played was against the Ducks, which they lost 4-1. to one. Um, And the Ducks have a very stacked rookie team. Um, I think the, the, the number of games, NHL games played by guys on that team was like 200-something. Um, and the Kings had like six games, and they all belonged to Jared Anderson Dolan. Um, <laughs> So the the Ducks were clearly working with a more NHL pro-ready team than any of the other teams in, in the tournament. Um, and so that game they lost. They did very, very poorly. The next game, they just trounced the, the Avalanche rookies. Uh, they won 6-1. to one. Um, And then the final game against the Sharks, like, started poorly. They got in, like, a 4 nothing hole 
or something like that. Um, and then no, it was it was a five nothing goal. Yeah, they allowed five goals in the first period. Um, but to their credit, um, and I think this is something we didn't necessarily see from the Kings rookie team last year, whenever they lost all of their games is they actually fought back um, and they ended up scoring three goals, uh, which obviously was not enough to win. Um, but like there was some fight in them and they didn't just kind of like give up, which is what it felt like they did last season. Um, and so like, yeah, they didn't win. And they didn't necessarily look particularly good or consistent. Um, but the the players who you expected to shine kind of are the ones who, you know, did what they were supposed to do and you know, were noticeable. Um, and I think says a lot about, you know, the leadership of some of these guys and their uh, ability to um, bounce back from bad situations in games. So, um my cat has joined me on the table, so sorry. Hello, kitty um, cat. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, they did not do well at all, but um, compared to last year, they did much better, and uh, they at least showed some promise. So I won't, I won't get on them too, too bad. And I mean, to be honest, like they're one-off games, uh, so they don't really mean a whole lot. And I feel like um, the Sharks also have more more kids who are at least closer to NHL ready. Because I think there was quite a few, like, really young guys. Well, I shouldn't say really young. I mean, like, they're all between the ages of 18 and 23. <laughs> but um, I feel like there, there was really quite a few of, like, first and second year guys, maybe um, a few like first year pros, but not. Yeah, t- I, I remember looking at the, at the Sharks roster before their last, before the last game. And they definitely had a handful of guys who, you know, their previous team was an AHL or ECHL team. So um, yeah, the looking at the, the Sharks roster, there were a lot of guys who their, their last team was an AHL team or an ECHL team. So even they're all they're all guys roughly around the same age. There was a certain subset of them who had a lot of pro experience under their under their belt already. Um, and the Kings had a handful of those guys, but not uh, not too many of them, and not too many uh, prominent players who had already had pro experience. Uh, so, you know, could have been better, but also could have been worse. They could have gotten shut out all three games, and that would have been sad. That is true. I feel like. Pipeline wise, the the Kings have improved in in one year, which is good. But I also feel like this kind of shows that there's still a ways to go in rebuilding this team because uh, they don't have a lot of blue chip prospects. But I guess you really can't have a lot of blue chip prospects when your team is old. They all have NTCs or NMCs uh, in Kopitar's, cl- uh, Kopitar's case. And uh, they're all signed to extraordinarily lengthy contracts that will never end in the face of this earth. Yeah, the, the downside of trading away your picks and your prospects in order to get NHL ready guys is that you eventually wind up with no 
prospects. Um, and so, yeah, they're, they're, there, there's many things to be quest- to question Rob Blake about and what his vision is and how well he's doing as a GM, but uh, he certainly has been doing his part to make sure that the Kings actually have prospects again. Um, it just so happens that most of ours are still very young and not close to being uh, to going pro yet. So, you know, that that's where you definitely see the the disadvantage that the team is at of, you know, having guys who will come up soon, like, you know, Kaliev and, um, you know, Turcotte, who didn't participate in this, but um, they'll be very good players. They just are still children uh, because we didn't have draft picks for many years. Well, we had them. We just gave them away. Gave them away. <laughs> Never forget when the Kings traded... Uh, Oh gosh, who was it? Their little Russian kid, uh, Val Valentin Zikov, and I think it was the first first round pick uh, for and wait, that was that was a different trade. I'm sorry, I was thinking about the <laughs> I was thinking about the uh, the Sakura trade, and since we ended up trading with Carolina twice, both the <laughs> trades have become convoluted in my head. And I'm I'm confused now as to who went over when. But yeah, so we gave up a lot for Sekra. And then the Kings played Chicago, and Chicago was like, no, we don't like you. So we're going to, you know, step on you. And they got hurt in that game, and I was really mad. That was probably my fault somehow. Yes, you didn't know it yet, but it was totally your fault. It was the, the beginning of the downfall. My bad. Oops. <laughs> yeah, but that was that was like also the beginning of like Dean Lombardi's like really obvious downfall where you're looking at him going, mm, what are you doing? Like uh, I at the time and looking back on the trade in hindsight, I didn't think it was bad. I thought it was a necessary move because the Kings had really, really awful players um, and they had no defensemen. So I thought it wasn't bad. It was just a series of other moves that were bad. That just, it was just like, oh, Lombardi, what are you doing? Like, you know, Lucic. That was bad. That that was not good. All right. Well, I think we've spoken off topic quite enough. So um, anything else that you want to talk about or address tonight, Sarah? Um, let's go preseason. We've got games and maybe they won't lose all of them. And there's many less of those ridiculous split spot, split squad games this year. Uh, so the team will actually all be playing together. Uh, except for, I think there's one split squad game, which is fine. Like let all of the children play before we send them back home. Uh, so preseason, um, and then coming up right before the regular season starts, we're going to have some preview pieces looking at, uh, the team, looking at who, you know, what we can expect out of guys and who's going to be playing where and with who. Um, and we'll also have a preview looking at, uh, the rest of the division and the league. So that's coming up, um, right before the season starts. So, We've got lots of cool stuff coming towards you. Yes, indeed. I'm hoping to get uh, another podcast in before the season starts. And then 
podcast schedule once the season starts is TBD, but I'm shooting for bi-weekly. We'll see. It may end up being more monthly again, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, if you guys, as usual, have any questions, definitely hit us up on Twitter. Comments, if you want to be on the podcast, give me a shout. I am at Robin underscore JFTC. Sarah is at go or go ahead. And as always, we have our JFTC Twitter account, which is JFTC underscore Kings. So, uh, so don't be shy. Hit us up. Um, or feel free to comment on, you know, any of the, uh, the top 25 under 25 and we love to interact with you guys so thanks again for joining me tonight sarah thanks for having me all right <laughs>